Hi, this is Annie Fox with Family Confidential, Secrets of Successful Parenting. My guest today is Dr. Kimberly Palmiato. Dr. Palmiato is a learning specialist, and today we're going to be talking about kids and learning differences. Hi, Kim. Welcome to Family Confidential. Hi, Annie. Thanks for having me today. Well, thanks for being here. You know, it's back to school time. And maybe parents are feeling a little bit anxious about the progress academically and socially that their kids will be making in this new school year. It's always a time filled with hope and for some parents, some anxiety because they look back at last school year and maybe things weren't exactly um, as they would have liked them to be. So um, today we're going to be talking about learning differences and and how we can actually know whether um, some professional intervention is needed. I know that's your work. So um, tell me... What what tips could parents be um, looking for in terms of um, how to help their kids if their kids, in fact, need help? Sure. Well, I think one thing to remember is that every child's learning style is a little different. And so I think sometimes parents need to remind themselves that even if they may be struggling in one area at home, if they're functioning well at school and they're making progress, it's not something to be really significantly concerned about. Um, But I do think that if if a parent finds that whether it's reading or math or writing or even socially, that their child is really uh, struggling functionally at school where it's impacting their daily life and their daily activities, then it's something to consider talking about how to move forward with intervention or assessment and intervention as it may be. Well, I know for some kids, especially as they move into middle school, they're really good at masking what's going on, yes. masking the struggles, and um, and it's, so it's hard sometimes for parents. I'm thinking um, maybe a conversation with a teacher um, yes. would be a good idea. That was actually going to be my first suggestion here, is that many times when kids are, ha- are masking these challenges, the teachers are going to be the first ones to see, this, see it because they're with them the majority of the day during their, quote, work time. Yeah. So, you know, having an open communication with teachers is really, really, really important, Um, not just at the elementary level, but as kids move into that middle school level and high school level, sometimes parents tend to back off a little bit in terms of uh, teacher communication, and actually you need to ramp it up, (laughs) because those are the times that kids really are kind of keeping to themselves and achieving their independence, and they may not tell you or show you as much as they have been in elementary. So if if kids, for example, are not talking about struggles they may be having in a particular subject area, um, if the grades are okay and the kid's not talking about it, um, what might be some signs that things really are difficult on the academic level? Well, if the grades might be okay, you you might see some uh, increased challenges with social behavior. Sometimes it flows over into that. Um, Sometimes you might see that some of the tests might be lower. The grades might be okay, but their testing might be lower. There might be uh, a lack of motivation to uh, do homework, which let's face it, many kids don't like to do homework, (laughs) but you may see that they're avoiding it more or there's more arguing or there's more debating. Um, And it may just be with one particular subject versus an overall homework battle as well. Okay, so I was just to say that's really interesting that homework, when you purportedly have as much time as you want mm -hmm. to do the homework, assuming that you're doing it, versus a testing situation where it's here and now the clock is running, um, I could imagine that that might bring up some challenges for kids who really um, have t- trouble managing time or yes. um, 
or reading comprehension, that kinds of thing. Is that accurate? Absolutely. So testing is going to be one of the key things that you see. There's going to be a, a challenge with attention, executive functioning, reading comprehension, like you stated, because these are all things that um, they have to do independently. And if there's a time limit imposed, that's where you're going to see the challenges start to come up. So um, suppose a child is identified as someone who um, has has um, challenges in this area, what can parents do um, in terms of their next best step to help the child? So first of all, tutoring is always a great, a great idea. You know, tutoring is kind of the first step that parents might want to take. Many times uh, parents that seek out tutors just have to be really knowledgeable about what that tutor's skills are and whether or not they're a good match with the students, because sometimes they might hire the best tutor in the world, but if they're not a good match for the kids, the kids aren't going to learn anything. So you're talking about a personality match. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's one thing to consider. And that, that is really just asking your child, you know, whether or not they feel it's a good match because they're the ones that have to be doing the work with this person. So that would be my first step. My first step would be, you know, looking to a tutor to maybe help clarify and re-explain some of the material and see if that helps. If the tutoring doesn't make a significant difference in um, helping that child succeed a little bit more, then the next step would be maybe calling what's called a student study team or going in and talking to the educational team at the child's school about some of the concerns that you have as a parent. Because as a parent, you know your child better really than the educational team itself. Could you see your child every day for the majority of the day from birth to whatever age they are? So walking into that team meeting feeling confident and giving that advice to those uh, teachers about how your child functions at home is a really important component. Now, on the flip side, understanding that the educational piece of it is may look very different than the school piece, or I'm sorry, the home piece does. Mm-hmm. So there have been a lot of times I've been in meetings, and I've um, heard educators speak about a child in one way saying, wow, they really, they're really doing well and they're flourishing and they're doing great. And then the you look around and say, what are we doing here? (laughs) saying, No, this is a really big issue for me. You know, he's, he's not reading at home and, and it's a battle every night. And, and so I think that having that team discussion is really important. And at that point, they're, they have interventions that they could put in, in place in the general education setting that might be really helpful. And um, at, after trying those, the team may come to a decision that an assessment may be warranted to identify whether or not there are learning disabilities or other learning challenges that can be addressed through something like special education or a 504 plan or those types of things. Okay, you've covered a whole lot of stuff here, I and I'm going to dial it back. No, 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 I'm glad you did, but I'm going to dial it back a little bit. Um, okay. How does one find a tutor, for example? Does one go to a, the teacher and say, do you have any recommendations? Um, I, I know that sometimes students who excel in a class um, and have good teacher skills yeah. also kind of moonlight as tutors for other students. Um, where else might one locate a tutor, especially if you need to shop around a little bit to get that good personality match? Yes. Well, many times there are a lot of local tutoring centers that, that may be a good fit. Okay. But also most of the schools have either a list of people that they've used and recommended or teachers might have a list okay. of um, people they've used or recommended. Uh, colleges have wonderful programs with tutors usually that specialize in particular areas. Okay. So if, you know, if there's uh, a math challenge, then go to your local college 
challenge. And you can even go just to the counseling center or the student academic center and ask them and they'll direct you in the right and to the right way. Well, I wish I had known about this when I was in high school. <laughs> I found myself in trigonometry and calculus. It's like, ah, I need I a tutor. Know. I never even thought of it. So I'm, I'm glad this is a resource that, that people are much more likely and, and willing to take advantage of. The other thing that you mentioned as we were talking had to do with, um, would you call it a learning team? Yes. Um, to have these meetings. Is this um, a typical thing that someone would find in yes. a school? It absolutely is. Okay. So every school uh, will have some kind of either learning team, student study team um, is what some ca call it, a student success team. It has a little bit of a different name for each uh, district or state or whatever it may be. However, uh, there is one at every school. So that basically, the, team, the, jo the job of that team is to come together and share information about your child so that the team can share what they're seeing there at school. You can share what you're seeing at home. You identify not only what the concerns are, but really what the strengths are as well, because it's really important for the entire team to know the whole child versus just the problems of the child. And at that point, you can use those two things to help develop a plan uh, the least restrictive setting is where you want to start. So you would start in general education, mm -hmm. doing any interventions that they have available at school, plus maybe what you have at home. Mm -hmm. And then if that isn't working after a certain amount of time, usually about six to 12 weeks you want to give it, then you reconvene and you talk about, all right, this is, this is working, this isn't working, how are we going to move forward from here? And mm -hmm. you can decide whether you want to move forward with assessment or maybe continue with the interventions that are working at that point. You no, know, because I often um, exchange email advice with tweens and teens, I'm wondering where the student's role is in this learning team. Are they likely to be part of this meeting or any, any sub subsequent meetings? The very good question. And they should be part of the meeting. In the elementary grades, usually the kids aren't a part of it. Um, a, lot, a lot of the conversation is, quite frankly, boring for them <laughs> because they don't really understand a lot of what's being talked about. And many times they might just hear the negatives and not the positives. So, But as kids move into middle school and high school, they need to be an integral part of this team because they have to buy in to whatever, whatever interventions are being developed for them. And as they're achieving their independence, they need to understand their role in their own education as well as um, what uh, giving feedback of what works and what doesn't work for them. Yes, I think that's really important. Instead of talking about the student, let the student talk for him or herself and say, Absolutely. okay, this is why I'm having trouble. I feel like I'm going to go into my past. Like my math teacher doesn't really answer my questions. Mm -hmm. so, Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. That, that's, a, that's a great point. And the third thing that you, you pointed out had to do with the feedback parents um, ha can give and in contrast with maybe a teacher's experience. No, he's doing great at school. Don't really understand it. Well, it seems to me what you might be implying here is that there is some kind of emotional push-pull going on at home that is has nothing to do necessarily with the kids' learning abilities. But, you know, you've got this power struggle going on, which is, is such an adolescent and parent um, classic theme here. And yes. it's like, if you keep bugging me to do my homework, Mom, I'm going to dig my heels in right. and put it off and put it off. And my procrastination is going to get me in trouble, but at least I'm showing you I can call the shots. Yes. So, so um, it's kind of interesting how, how different kinds of dynamics at home can affect 
the learning and academic progress. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. And I think um, that's why I always advocate for parents when it comes to homework to even at a very early age when homework is first introduced to allow kids to start doing it independently first. Because if they can establish that pattern and that routine at a young age when homework is first introduced, then it not only alleviates the homework battles, but it also encourages that independence as they grow into adolescence. And it just becomes part of their routine versus a battle between mom and child. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that. And yet I do hear from parents often, well, if I don't sit there with him at the kitchen table, he will not do his homework. And I wonder how much of that is accurate or or some kind of pattern that the two of them have have set up. Absolutely. Um, you know, my experience has been that once once kids achieve a little bit of success with their homework, it propels itself, just like with anything else in life. Success breeds success. So when when parents allow them to have a little bit of independence and they can do it on their own, and one of the things that I talk about um, with parents is giving them some kind of system for them. So when you sit down for homework, number one, you have to make sure all your materials are there. But number two, you know, allow them to do what they can on their own first, and then circle or star or whatever you whatever you want to come up with the things that they think they might need help with, and then come back, ask them some have them ask you some questions about what they think they have trouble with, give them a little bit of feedback, let them work again independently, and then at the end you come back and problem solve together. So what you're doing is you're establishing this system of problem solving independently versus the parent giving them the answers or saying no now you need to finish it. <laughs> yes. Um, and I'm thinking, it, is it okay if a parent sees something that's incorrect in the homework for it to be left that way? Absolutely. Absolutely. So hard for parents. It's so, it's one of the most difficult things, you know, and if they have a hard time doing that, then they can actually scaffold their own response where maybe instead of leaving it, they can just say, well, I see something on that page that you might want to look at again. Mm-hmm. What do you think? <laughs> and then you're giving it back to the child versus pointing it out and saying, you need to correct this piece. And so here's that, how you spell it. Right. Exactly. So that's, you know, if a parent, because many parents do have a really big issue just saying, okay, I'm just going to leave it. I'm going to let them have the consequence. I'm going to let them figure it out. So if that's the case, then they can, you know, step up. They can take baby steps themselves too. Yeah. You know, I like to to advise parents that for each year your child is in another grade, let them step up more while you step back a little bit more. Um, It's much more likely that they will learn how to spell believe I before E if the teacher reinforces that lesson Yes. rather than you saying it's spelled like this. Absolutely. And yeah. and that's that's one thing that, you know, any parent does know that uh, your child is probably going to listen to everybody else but you first. Especially as they get <laughs> older. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, embrace that and say, "Okay, well, then then that's how we're going to proceed with their homework as well." Yeah. I mean, think um to just remind parents that your goal is to support and encourage their learning, but the learning has to be uh, an internal thing. It has to come from them. And um, if you if you put your foot in the door too much, they will probably continue to close the door on your foot rather than opening it and saying, wow, you know, I can do this by myself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's the, goal. that's the goal. Great. Thank you so much. This sure. has really been interesting. Sure. Um, um, before we leave, I'd like for you to give our listeners an opportunity to learn where where they can find out more about your work? Oh, sure. So I'm at coastaleducationalservices.com 
and uh, I have we we actually do a lot of work with families around this subject particularly and so people I'm open to any questions if anyone has any questions please feel free to email me uh, through that website and I'm more than happy to help you out that's great Kim thank you so much for your time and for the good work that you're doing oh thank you for having me Annie I really appreciate it this is Annie Fox for Family Confidential to learn more about my work with tweens teens and parents visit AnnieFox.com and please check out my book Teaching Kids to Be Good People Progressive Parenting for the 21st Century. Tune in next time when my guest will be Louise Masson-Sattler. Louise and I will be talking about public education and making classrooms more inclusive for kids with special needs. Until next time, happy parenting. Happy parenting.